and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where each and every Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. We're heard on 20 different radio stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours and are heard over the air in 13 of the top 28 radio markets in the United States of America. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. We have a ton to get to, as is almost always the case, but particularly this week. And uh, happy Halloween weekend to you, Leah Brandon. Ah, happy Halloween. I saw you had a great Halloween weekend uh, with your little daughter all dressed up. You were Prince Charming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I previewed this at the end of last week's program. Uh, and yes, if you're interested, you go to my Facebook page uh, or my Twitter page. I, I tweeted a picture uh, last night of the family. Yes, um, my daughter, my three-year-old daughter was uh, Cinderella, uh, mm-hmm. which which I was very proud about because she chose Cinderella literally almost 12 months ago. Uh, and she stuck with it. Which for, I love it. Which for you know a two-slash-three-year-old is unbelievable yeah she didn't and, take the minion route well or you know anna elsa or anything like but but she also didn't change her mind and part of what she had decided was that i would be prince charming and that her mom would be the fairy godmother uh, because last year she had been tinkerbell i was captain hook and mom was peter pan so <laughs> um so she stuck with this and you know one of the things that makes this radio program uh, unique uh truly unique is that the the primary host me um, is not only brutally honest but is fully aware of the despair that is inevitable in his life uh, you know I, I would say that there's about a 98 percent chance that my daughter will really only know me from a career standpoint as a total loser and that there's a 98 99 percent chance that she's going to be the product of a broken marriage because our marriage is doomed (laughs) we Um, have nothing but optimism coming to you here on sunday night no i'm just i'm just telling you what the facts is neither of those things should be the case but they they absolutely are i mean those you know it's 98 percent that she's going to be the product of a a broken marriage with a a a father she's going to perceive as a loser so therefore (laughs) you're laughing but it's the reality therefore i'm very cognizant of how small the window is to make sure that my daughter has some really positive memories not just of her family but specifically of her father and so i took it very seriously when she wanted me to be prince charming because you know even though she's only three and a half years old she gets it i mean she has an incredible memory and you know, my guess is she's probably going to have some memory of this, if only from Especially the... when you replay the movie for her yearly. Yeah, that's true. She does. She Everything we do is photographed, of course. That's just like the law uh, in 2015 you know, with the, the iPhones and everything. Uh, and she always asks for replays. So that helps, I think, uh, increase the chances that she'll remember. But I took it very, very seriously that I wanted... First of all, it was very rare for me to be in a situation where I mattered... Uh, in my family. So, you know, I was I was very serious about the Prince Charming. I had a tremendous Prince Charming uh, costume, not as good as her Cinderella, but, you know, still pretty darn good. And what I realized, Leah, and it went all very well and, and Grace had a good time. Uh, so that was that was fantastic. She had such a good time that um, people literally, Leah, stopped her on the street to have their picture taken with her. 
while trick while trick or treating. And the most amazing part was not all of these people wanting to have their picture taken or taking pictures of her were Asian. That was the really stunning part. I mean, there were <laughs> some of them were Asian, which is understandable, but you know, because that's what Asians do. But um, but anyway, so back to to my role. What I quickly realized is that this was very, very much like me playing the groom in a wedding where my daughter was very insistent that I get this right, that I wear the right shoes, the right socks, that my that my costume was proper and all that. But once I showed up and, and met approval of inspection, I was once again irrelevant, just like a wedding. You know, I'm just there. I am just there to validate everything. Just to, I'm a prop. I've done my job. I showed up. I looked proper. And now I'm irrelevant again, uh, which is fine because, you know, I, I just wasn't fully expecting it was going to be exactly like getting married. Um, so anyway, the reality is that at least for this one night, uh, Grace was able to live the idyllic, um, you know, Norman Rockwell family moment, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, again, if you want to go to my Facebook page, you can see tons more pictures and videos of my little daughter, uh, beautiful little daughter, as Cinderella than you could ever possibly imagine. So that was obviously a a big part of our weekend. You know, this was a huge Halloween. It was a Saturday night. It was daylight savings night. Yes, it was. That's not going to happen very often, as I was as I calculated, probably only one more time in my daughter's Halloween career will those circumstances be the case, and that's when she's eight years old. So this was like this was more rare than an Olympics to have a Saturday night uh, Halloween. By the way, how bizarre is it for you, Leah, to be even hearing me talk about all this, considering when we first met on KFI, I was the most single <laughs> anti-marriage person on the planet. True. Uh, most True. Anti- and never would you have kids. Oh, no, no, no. And by, and by the way, the most anti-Disney person on the planet, too. And here I am, thrilled to be playing Prince Charming to my daughter, Cinderella. It's, it's a bizarre... You've been flipped. It is all flipped. <laughs> it's not even saying it. This is the most bizarre world thing you could possibly imagine. Um, but I'm sure for you, the big moment this weekend since you're a horse person was yeah. uh, was the uh, the breeders cup and the fact that we now have probably next to secretariat uh, i would say i would guess or maybe you disagree um maybe the second greatest horse in modern history is that is that a fair well, statement you know I, i'm not sure uh because the breeders cup wasn't around for all the other right. triple crown horses to run but American Pharaoh, obviously, is who we're talking about. Yeah, honest. I mean, American Pharaoh is, he is definitely one of the greatest horses that has ever lived. Uh, And my, I I was really hoping to see him win, but I also had another horse in the race called the Honor Code, and he is a descendant of Secretariat. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that I was really hoping would win, because AP's already won the Triple Crown, so, you know. Uh, he was he was all set, but you know Honor Code came in third, so that was a little depressing. Uh, but you know it was good to see it. I think it's good for racing, and so many celebrities were there, and I think it just really helps to move the sport forward. And of course, in college football, for the third straight week, we had a prominent game end on a once-in-a-generation play which makes you think that maybe these once-in-a-generation plays really aren't once-in-a-generation if they're happening, happening on a weekly basis. But I'm referring, did you see the end of the Miami-Duke game, by any chance? You know, the, I did not see uh, any football oh, this weekend, oh amazingly. God. I know. So you have, to, you have to watch the end of this game. This was unbelievable, even by you know unbelievable standards. Uh, the most ridiculous part of the whole thing was Miami scored on a kickoff return on the last play of the game, 
that for like two or three different reasons should never have been allowed to stand. The officials completely blew it. They have been suspended for two weeks because they allowed the touchdown to stand. Um, Duke got so they should roll the score back. Well, yeah, that's not going to happen. Duke got so screwed by the refs in this situation that I heard that there were some O.J. Simpson jurors that were saying, wow, this is a travesty of justice. <laughs> I mean, th- that's how bad this was. Um, and it was the, probably the most bizarre play you're ever going to see uh, in college football. But the next week uh, in Alabama, where you are, I realize that all anybody cares about is LSU Alabama. Which right. will, in, in all likelihood, although we're still not sure yet, because Old Miss is still hanging out there. And by the way, I, I now hate Old Miss. I, 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 I'm, I'm rooting against Old Miss so hard, not just because it'll help Alabama and you, your favorite team, <laughs> but I don't know if you caught this. Old Miss, because of these PC weenies, has now decided that the state flag of Mississippi yep. cannot be cannot be flown at the state school of Mississippi because it's because it's got a little bit of the Confederate flag in it. I mean, it's so outrageous. Ugh, we it, it, even South Park can't make fun of this. I mean, it is it is <laughs> unbelievable how pathetic we've become. All right, tons to get to on this edition of the John and Leah Show. When we come back, uh, Fred Thompson passed away today. And I want to tell you a little bit of a story about uh, the day that I hosted a rally for his presidential campaign. When we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. She's broadcasting from Alabama, where they care about guns, Jesus, and college football. I broadcast from just outside of Los Angeles, where people barely even care about themselves. And uh, the saddest news of the day, Leah, was, uh, and really the most surprising news of the day, to me anyway, was the fact that we have lost Fred Thompson, the former actor and um, Republican presidential candidate, former Republican U.S. senator, and a guy who, when we were on KFI in Los Angeles, for about a month was the front runner for the Republican nomination in 2008. You may recall, I don't know if people do or not, they have short memories, that uh, he was basically the last person to get into the race. And this was after an enormous amount of media speculation. It was kind of like that year. Is year's, he getting in? Is he not? Right, is the, he? Is he not? It mm-hmm. was the Joe Biden thing from 2008. Correct. And he decided to get in. And the conventional wisdom is that he waited too long and that he was just too sleepy to win the nomination. Yes. Um, and he lost too much weight. You know, I actually agree with that. I agree with you that. Uh, and this is so pathetic that we even have to worry about this kind of thing. But he did not look good when he lost Mm-mm. weight. His face sagged. Yeah. And, and he lost that vigorous look. Instead, he, right. he, he just didn't look – he didn't look strong. He didn't uh, look well. Right, well, maybe he wasn't. You know, and one of the interesting – and I, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to think about – but people forget how close he was to being the Republican nominee. And I, to this day, believe he had the best shot to beat Barack Obama. And so if he had beaten Barack Obama, he wouldn't have made it oh, through a second. A... He wouldn't have yeah, made it through true. a second mm-hmm. term. I mean, yeah. he, he would not have made it through a second term. And 
who not I mean who knows would be who would be president today might might be Sarah Palin uh, and I mean that seriously I could see him have cho- having chosen a Sarah Palin um, as his vice president but you know I I agree with you that the weight thing didn't help no. he lacked the he was the type of charisma he had charisma but his charisma didn't work at the beginning of a campaign it would have worked tremendously once he got the nomination, say at a convention or you know in big presidential type speeches, but in front of 15 people in Iowa, it just didn't work. Cause well, he, I wanted him to be the character he played on Law and Order. Right, but that doesn't work in a small room um, where where you're you know it's just a different dynamic. And I, I remember one very specific moment that should have turned the tide for Fred Thompson. It was a debate in Iowa. And I don't remember exactly why this is happening, but they had had a couple of debates where the moderators had asked for show of hands and because they were trying to save time. And it was I don't even remember what the issue was, but they tried to do the show of hands thing. And Fred said, ain't going to be no show of hands today. <laughs> and, and and it was it was really real, no exaggeration. It could have been one of you know the Reagan I paid for this microphone moment. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I mean, people actually compared it. Some did to that moment. And I, when I saw it, I'm like, yes, this is going to be it. <laughs> and Drudge completely ignored it. It got no traction. The right-wing media didn't make a huge deal out of it. It could have been the moment that exploded him. And even still, people forget, he made a comeback in South Carolina. Uh, it wasn't enough to keep the campaign going. But he did not have he did not have a horrendous presidential campaign. But anyway, so I hosted a... Um, a, uh, a rally for him in Orange County here in Southern California. And Fred Thompson was coming late. He was late. And I was told to stretch. <laughs> so that's, that's always dangerous when John Ziegler is told to stretch. So, Vamp it. Right. Vamp it, Zig. So, so I started talking about Fred Thompson's lovely wife and how she would make a better first lady than Bill Clinton. And here's what that sounded like back in 2007. first lady. A lot better than Bill Clinton would, by the way. <laughs> Lovely woman, one great kids. But you know, um, before Fred was married, he had a rather active day in life. He's been very honest about this. Uh, and one of the more amazing aspects to me about Fred Thompson is that all of his ex-girlfriends have endorsed him for president. <laughs> now, this is an extraordinary thing from a number of perspectives, and it shows us a lot about the man and the candidate. I mean, first of all, it shows us that women love him. Uh, second of all, uh, it shows him that he's a man of great character. I mean, as a single guy, I mean, I can tell you, if your ex-girlfriends are endorsing you for anything, that's a pretty good sign of your character. And thirdly, I think this allows him to match up perfectly with Hillary Clinton. Because when you think about it, while all of Fred's ex-girlfriends are already endorsing him, the chances of Hillary's ex-girlfriends endorsing her are most at best. Again, the opinions expressed during this portion of the program are in no way reflective of the opinions of Fred Thompson, the Fred Thompson campaign, or anyone associated with the Republican Party. Rest in peace, Fred Thompson. We'll miss you. Uh, He was a good guy, and uh, we'll definitely miss him. More on the John and Leah show when we come back in a moment. 
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And this is the best weekend review radio show in the entire country. Mainly because we don't have much competition. But when we take a look at the news of this particular week, obviously we have to take our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016 and the Republican debate, which will be remembered for a couple of things. Foremost among them, the performance of the moderators and the network that hosted the debate, CNBC. Leah, give us a little reminder of what that was all about. Yes, exactly. Uh, The third GOP debate was held on CNBC. Now, it was billed as an economic debate, but it turned into what at least the RNC has called biased and disgraceful. The first set of questions became more and more outrageous as they made their way down the stage that when it came to Ted Cruz, he had to call them on it. You know, let me say something at the outset. The questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. This is not a cage match. And you look at the questions, Donald Trump, are you a comic book villain? Ben Carson, can you do math? John Kasich, will you insult two people over here? Marco Rubio, why don't you resign? Jeb Bush, why have your numbers fallen? How about talking about the substantive issues people care about? Now, Ryan's Priebus, the head of the RNC and the man who actually set up a committee to book the Republican debates, promptly suspended the February debate scheduled for NBC. The candidates' campaigns also were so upset about the RNC's debate committee choices that they held a meeting today about debate formats, and no one from the RNC was invited. Which is just so classic. All right. Now, before we get into the uh, the candidates themselves, let's talk about CNBC. And obviously, Leah, uh, probably more than anybody else you know or I know, I, I'm pretty much on record on the issue of media bias. It's a, it's a huge portion of my life. It's why I made the movie Media Malpractice, How Obama Got Elected, uh, back in 2009. You can check that out at HowObamaGotElected.com. Uh, and you can find it for free on the Internet, I'm sure, at this point. So I'm I'm well versed in and very outspoken about this issue of media bias. I have to tell you, I was a little surprised that it got as big. <laughs> so blatant. Well, you know, maybe that's what it is. See, I guess I have become immune to to getting as outraged about it as maybe some other people because. I just I know who these people are, what they're doing, who they are, who they're voting for, what their agenda is. It's no surprise to me. And so while the debate, no question about it, was horrific by any traditional standard, yes. I didn't think it was all that much worse than the first two. I mean, well, well, of course not. Of course not. But you know what? I think Ted Cruz has a lot to do with it. Because Ted Cruz put every single thing in focus. All right, but see, and I know you like Ted Cruz other than his delivery. I thought that was smarmy on Cruz's part. Oh, no. No, no, no. Well, here's why it was smarmy, okay? And maybe it was just brilliant. Maybe it was just too brilliant. But see, Cruz is one of these guys that he's a little too brilliant for his own good. He's a little too cute. And what he did there was he repeated all of the outrageous charges while make tried to get credit for condemning the same charges. That I thought that was smarmy. You didn't no. see you didn't see that at all. Well, the, not at all. Well, then why I mean, is, he's giving <laughs> examples. He's like boom, boom, he boom, boom, boom. He 
him. didn't need to do that. And I think he oh, did yes, it. Oh, yes, he did. He, I think it was important nah, that he did it. Well, he did it on – He. I don't think he needed to be quite that specific. By the way, you know, he didn't mention anything about himself. He only mentioned about his top rivals. Gee, I wonder why that was. <laughs> so, no, he mentioned every single no, person no. that it had. Yes, okay. he did. All right. But every person in the exact order that they were asked the question, because right. he's that smart. Okay. <laughs> so, so you want to give him credit for being able to memorize the no, biased he has, questions. He has the audiophonic memory. All right. Well, good. And look, no one's saying Ted Cruz is not smart. I've never said that. I've just said he's too. He's perceived as too right wing, too Tea Party, and has a bad uh, delivery to ever get elected against Hillary Clinton. That's my view on Ted Cruz, and I, I feel that strongly. I don't have anything against him personally. I'm glad he's no, in the Senate. I agree. He's pro- he doesn't have a chance. Right. I mean, he's been demonized though so much by the left, he could never win. Right, and, and he belongs in the U.S. Senate. He does a nice job in the U.S. Senate. I'm glad he's in the U.S. Senate. There needs to be a Ted Cruz in the U.S. Senate. That doesn't, that doesn't mean he should be the Republican presidential nominee against Hillary Clinton. Let's talk about CNBC, though. Now, what was interesting to me about this was that it blew up, and it blew up big. Not, <laughs> and it blew up big not just on the right. It blew up on in the left-wing media as well. As and, like they've never noticed bias before. <laughs> well, see, but here's where, here's where I, here's what I think was part of why it blew up the way that it did, not just on the right. See, CNBC did a couple things wrong. They miscalculated. We've always said that the biggest weakness on the left is they will always, always, always overplay their hand, right? Always. Always. And so it's clear that in the bubble of CNBC, there was nobody there other than Mary, maybe Larry Kudlow, who clearly didn't know, had no, no say in the debate preparation. No one was there in the room to say, guys, wait a minute. This is, do we really want to do this? So, so they wanted to outdo the first two debates, and they did. Um, and they thought that, that was great because they thought everyone was going to have, you know, on the, on the media that matters, the mainstream news media, they thought everyone would have their back because they're all part of the club. Right. What, what CNBC doesn't understand is that the people in the mainstream news media not one of them is dreaming of one day working for CNBC. That's right. Because at CNBC, you have to have an actual expertise. You have to actually know something about our markets. So, And it is a very specific channel. It's, it's supposed to be financial news. So the people that were sitting in judgment of them in the mainstream news media, not one of them is going, I can't say anything bad about CNBC because I might want to work for them someday. See – ESPN can do whatever they want in the sports world because 99.9% of sports commentators are afraid to criticize them because they want to work for ESPN. Fox News Channel cannot be criticized on the right, much like Matt Drudge cannot be criticized on the right, because if you you screw with Drudge or you screw with Fox News Channel, your career as a conservative is over, because you can't get linked on Drudge and you can't get on Fox News Channel. So therefore, they never get criticized either for those reasons. CNBC may have thought they had that kind of protection, but they don't. And that's the only reason why the mainstream news media decided, you know what, this was outrageous, because it was obviously outrageous. And it there was, was. And there was no price to pay for them individually, because that's all these these 
jackals care about. That's all they care about is what's good for them. And what me and what I mean by that is what's good on that day, what makes their job and life easier on that day, and what increases their job prospects in the future. That's all that matters to the vast majority of them. So that's why this blew up the way that it did. And frankly, Leah, I think it, this was great. I think this I, do was, too. I think this was one of the best developments that's happened so far in this in this uh, Republican primary race uh, because it exposed to a larger audience just how stacked the deck really is. And, and I'm just sick of it. And you know what? The Republicans are sick of it. And it's about time that the actual candidate said something. <laughs> no, and that and look, I, I'm not mad at Ted Cruz for doing it. I just thought. He was taking a little bit too much advantage, but hey, look, you 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 you're fair to disagree with me on that, and and I don't mind that he said it because it needed to be said, and he, he did say it well. All right, now when we come back, I want to talk about some of the more important things as far as who's winning and losing in the Republican uh, primary battle. When we come back, we'll do that on the John and Leah show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And Leah, whenever we talk about the Republican nominating process, we probably ought to use this song, uh, Holding Out for a Hero, since that's yeah. pretty much pretty much. We've been the... holding out for one for, gosh, <laughs> well, almost a decade. Well, longer than that. Uh, if you can probably go back to Reagan. Um, but there's no question <laughs> that that's when you start off with 17 people in this uh, game of uh, Bachelor or Bachelorette, um, that uh, we've referred to it as, uh, you know, a lot of Republican voters are holding out for that hero. I don't think they're going to find it, mainly, by the way, because we are one tough crowd. I mean, we, we discount people based oh, yeah. upon almost We're nothing. not Democrats, you know, that's for sure. Oh, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, the sins that you can get away with on the left and be the hero are, are remarkable in comparison anything, to anything. Anything goes. Right. You do, but you do anything wrong on the right, you're dead to at least twenty percent. Twenty percent of the base, you'll piss off. I'm that twenty-five percent. Mean, it's unbelievable. But all right, and so let's talk about what happened in the debate from that perspective. And I have been predicting for some time now that the, the final four uh, for the Republican nomination will be Donald Trump. Ben Carson, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but <laughs> Donald Trump, Ben Carson, Marco Rubio, and Ted Cruz. Yeah. Uh, and I think that this debate further amplified why I believe that and why I'm probably going to be right about that. I- I've also said that if you look at those four spots as kind of conference championships, that one of the key conference title games was going to be Jeb Bush versus Marco Rubio. That's right. Uh, we have been talking about this for weeks and weeks, how this was inevitable. Uh, however, even I did not realize it was going <laughs> to get as ugly as it got, as fast as it got. I mean, it was unbelievable. Boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, it was yeah. it was amazing. Um, what was most amazing about it, Leah, and why I think it was incredibly important what occurred, is that um, that Jeb Bush telegraphed what he was going to do 
with Marco Rubio from a from from incredibly far away. Did you hear about this, by the way? Did well, you, did, didn't he send out tweets? Well, no, there was a tweet by a Republican operative by the name of Rick Wilson, who basically said, although he didn't use names, that Jeb was going to go after Rubio, and it was one of the worst ideas he had ever heard in the history of politics. <laughs> I, I mean, and 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 that and was, it was. Oh no, but it was. But what was amazing was Rick Wilson didn't even realize the circumstances under which Jeb Bush was going to do this this attack on Marco Rubio because. What no one knew was that Rubio was going to get the question first from a moderator and knock it out of the park and get a near, damn near standing ovation, right? So, yeah. so Rubio, and the issue is whether or not he's missing too many votes in the Senate because a liberal Florida newspaper writes that he should resign because he's missing too many votes. So if you're Jeb, and your game plan, this brilliant game plan, is to go after your protege from your state because he's missed a few votes in the Senate. Never mind that John Kerry did it and, and John McCain Everyone. Did it. Barack right. Obama. Right. Everyone. Right. Exactly. So never mind that part. But this is your brilliant plan to oust your, your rival for your conference championship, as I put it. Don't you think that when... That guy, Rubio, gets the exact same question, knocks it out of the park, gets Abort! A, abort! Exactly! Abort. Exactly! Where was the abort button? Where? Abort! Abort! Exactly! Thank you! Where, where in Jeb's computer was... Is there anybody pushing the abort button? The, he, retreat, there's nobody home retreat, up there. Retreat! <laughs> Can you imagine his his advisors when they saw that coming? I mean, they were the, like, "Oh no, oh, no, 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 no!" no. He, he's not really gonna do this, guys, right? He's 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 gonna he's gonna realize this is bad timing, right? Well, that's not what happened. So here's what that sounded like. Ugh. Bring something up here, because I'm a constituent of the senator, and I helped him, and and I expected that he would do constituent service, which means that he shows up to work. Uh, he got endorsed by the Sun Sentinel because he was the most talented guy in the field. He's a gifted politician. But Marco, when you signed up for this, this was a six-year term, and you should be showing up to work. I mean, literally, the Senate, what is it, like a French work week? You get like three days where you have to show up? You can campaign or just resign and let someone else take the job. There are a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck in Florida as well. They're looking for a senator that will fight for them each and every day. Well, it's interesting. Over the last few weeks, I've listened to Jeb as he walked around the country and said that you're modeling your campaign after John McCain, that you're going to launch a furious comeback the way he did by fighting hard in New Hampshire and places like that, carrying your own bag at the airport. You know how many votes John McCain missed when he was carrying out that furious comeback that you're now modeling it I'm, under? He wasn't my concern. No, Jeb, I don't remember. Senator. Well, let me tell you, I don't remember you ever complaining about John McCain's vote record. The only reason why you're doing it now is because we're running for the same position, and someone has convinced you that attacking me is going to help you. Well, I've been. Here's the bottom line. I'm not. My campaign is going to be about the future of America. It's not going to be about attacking anyone else on this stage. I will continue to have tremendous admiration and respect for Governor Bush. I'm not running against Governor Bush. I'm not running against anyone on the stage. I'm running for president because there is no way we can elect Hillary Clinton to continue the policies of Barack Obama. And thus ends the presidential campaign of Jeb Bush. Right there. Uh, He was uh, castrated uh, and uh, put out to pasture. Uh, There is no chance. There is that was that was almost almost as bad. In fact, in some ways, it was worse than oops. um, Because oops, you know, when Rick Perry did oops, 
at least that was not a situation where he had every opportunity to back away from a right. horrendous idea and didn't. He just panicked and, and, and forgot the third portion of government he wanted to do away with, um, which was bad enough. <laughs> but um, but what Jeb did was so much worse because it was terrible because here's why. Not only did it make him look small and desperate, which he is, uh, and it elevated Rubio, which kills his chance to win the conference, right? He has to win the conference championship to be able to get into the final four. Well, now Rubio's got to do something colossally bad for Jeb to have any chance of doing that. But here's why Jeb's toast. Even if Rubio completely blows the conference championship, loses his last three games of the season somehow, and Jeb passes him, no, there's no chance that the Republican Party is going to give the reins to Jeb after that moment to go up against Hillary. Because Absolutely. If he, if That's he did, right. Because if he did that against his buddy, Rubio, if he choked that badly against Rubio, what's he going to do against Hillary? I mean, it's going to be ugly. And uh, so there is no chance now. I mean, within in a rational world, there is no chance that Jeb Bush wins the Republican nomination. Hey, um, you know what I found particularly entertaining in that whole thing? What? You know he practiced. What is it, like a French work oh, week? Exactly. You know he practiced that. Yes, absolutely. They, in, the Bush, in the Bush camp, they thought that was brilliant. Oh, yes, let's, <laughs> let's make a crack on the French. This is how out of touch the Bush people are. It is amazing how out of touch they are. You know, what they also did this week was they put out some sort of, I don't know what it was, some sort of press release or something where they compared Marco Rubio to Barack Obama, saying that he is the Republican Barack Obama. Now, let's let's think about the idiocy of that kind of an analogy. First of all, politically, they're, they're nothing alike as far as what they believe. But, but let's pretend they're right. If they're right, if if Rubio is Obama from 2008, because that's what their analogy is, who's Hillary? Who's Hillary in that analogy? It's Jeb. So so the the Jeb Bush campaign is putting out analogies that our biggest opponent is like Obama. We're like Hillary from 2008. Do they not remember who the hell won? Not to mention. Gee, that's exactly what we want is an Obama from 2008 because he's president for eight years. I mean, this is insanity. How, how stupid are these? They are so out of touch. This is this is what I call the bubble effect, Leah. The, 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 because when you're Jeb Bush and when your father's been president and your brother's been president and you've been, you've been a governor, you have not lived a normal life no. for a generation. You, He's not giving you, in. Yeah, well, that's the other part that about this is interesting. Now, <laughs> from a human standpoint, we discussed this pr- previously that Barbara Bush is the only one in that clan with the the guts and the the gonads, frankly, uh, and probably the smarts, because she's the only one that doesn't seem to be out of touch with reality. To say, wait a minute, Jeb, we got to stop this. This is embarrassing now, because and he keeps saying Jeb does. You don't know me. I'm not quitting. I, you know, I. He actually said, "I eat nails before I have breakfast every morning." That's what he said. Oh, that, that either today or yesterday. So it, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> it's it, just, it, it's colossally horrible. Uh, it, I hope he stays in just to watch. 
but see, I like the Bush family. See, that's the oh, thing. Oh, yeah, he is just, come on. I, well, no, I, I lost a lot of respect for him on the Rubio thing. It was, and, and, and not and from every perspective. It was dumb. It was poorly executed. He should have, as you said, aborted. The fact that he was so stubborn and so clueless that he went through with it says a lot about Jeb Bush, and it proves he ain't going to be the Republican nominee. When we come back, we'll talk about who might be the Republican nominee for president when we come back for hour number two on this edition of the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 